turn to the book of 1 Samuel, and I want to read a few verses out of the 15th chapter. The title of this morning's sermon is The Poison of Popularity. The definition of popularity would be when everybody likes you. That's a real simple way to put that. When everybody likes you, we think of that as being popular. It can be a very dangerous desire to have the desire to want to be liked by everybody uh, or the majority of people. Uh, And I titled it The Poison of Popularity because that desire to be popular among so many people uh, is a poison. And it will slowly uh, deteriorate your mind, your spiritual mind, the way you do things and the way you act. So I want to look at a a couple verses in the Scripture this morning as we look at the subject of popularity. In 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, is probably very familiar to most of you. Uh, It's uh, the account of where... King Saul is given some instruction by the Lord through the prophet Samuel that he is to go and to attack the nation of the Amalekites. If you remember uh, some of your Old Testament uh, history, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, you know, it would have been a great celebration, obviously. Uh, We've been in bondage over 400 and something years, and we've been uh, delivered by the mighty hand of God. And we're starting our march to freedom, right? Well, the first people that they run into and they realize that this may not be uh, as easy of a path as we thought it would be were the Amalekites who treated them very roughly. They would not give them provisions. They fought against them. So the Lord, uh, the Lord looked at at the Amalekites, not only as the Bible tells us as being a sinful, wicked nation, but they also did a great deal of harm to his recently freed people. And the Lord didn't forget that. And so the Lord, through the prophet Samuel, tells King Saul that you're to go into the Amalekite nation and you're to completely destroy them. You're to wipe them out and you are not to keep anything from them and you're not to bring any, anybody back alive from that nation because of what they did to you. And we, you can read the whole account of it in 1 Samuel 15. But we read about that as they go in there and they destroy these things, they did not fully and completely follow the Lord. What they did was this. One, they brought the king back, probably as some sort of trophy. And two, they brought the best of the, the, the cattle and the Bible says of the oxen and things like that. So as they're making this journey back, they've got a king they're not supposed to have. And they've got some animals and some provisions and some things like that that they're not supposed to have. And it's interesting that as they're walking along here, that uh, the sheep that they've got, the Bible tells us they're bleeding and the oxen are lowing is what the Bible calls it. And they're making all these sounds. It just sounds like almost like a walking farm. And as they get closer and closer to Samuel, who is very clear what the Lord uh, has told them to do, Um, he begins to hear these sounds. And what he says to Saul, he says, it says, And Samuel came to Saul and said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's kind of funny, isn't it? You ever ever felt like that? I've been that person before that I I think I have followed the Lord as closely as I'm supposed to, only to realize later on I hadn't followed him near like I was supposed to be. But in the eyes of Saul, he thinks he's nailed it, right? And he comes back and says, uh, he comes back and says, I perform the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears 
and lowing of the ox in which I hear. And that's, uh, that's Samuel's way of saying, well, if you'd have really done it, I should not be hearing all these animal sounds. Because God told you to completely destroy and to wipe that nation off the face of the earth. And then Saul begins to do what we all probably would do, and he begins to lay the blame on somebody else. And Saul said, they, they the people, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we've utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And he goes down a little bit and he begins to say this. He says, Saul says to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people... The people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, he, he, he finally lays down the blame game. He finally takes ownership of what he has done. He quits saying the people did this, the people did this. He says, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Why? Why in the world, uh, Saul, is this that big a deal? It's very clear. Go, utterly destroy, and come back. That's not complicated. What in the world would possess the mind of this king to clearly and blatantly go against what God told him to do? The answer is that is in verse 24, and it says, because I feared the people. Because I feared the people. The Bible tells us that the fear of man bringeth a snare. Now, I don't know if anybody of y'all have ever done much trapping, but there's a, the, the snare is a trap. Uh, a snare is typically a type of trap that once an animal goes into it, it begins to tighten down on him like a noose. And the more he struggles, the more it get, the, the tighter it gets. And the tighter it gets, the more he struggles. And the more he struggles, the tighter it gets. Until either it kills him or the hunter comes along and kills him. The fear of man is like that. The fear of man is like a snare, the Bible tells us. And we see here that Saul stepped into this snare because he was afraid of the people. Why was he afraid of him? Because he's afflicted with the same thing that all of us are afflicted with, is there is a desire there to be liked by everybody. There's a desire there to be popular. Remember the title, The Poison of Popularity. Saul here drank some poison, and he found himself in a snare, and it brought him tremendous trouble later on. As you continue to read this. So I want you to think about that. What possessed this man to do that? It was, it was the desire to be popular and liked among the people. Now, I saw a sign years ago and, I, and, and it struck me so much that I wrote it down. This may be a, a, you know, everybody probably knows this saying, but I'd never heard it. And so I modified it a little bit uh, for my own self because I thought it made a little more sense to me. The, uh, this saying says, what used to be unthinkable became tolerable 
And then what became tolerable became acceptable. And then what became acceptable became praised. And what became praised became popular. Now, I want you to think about that. We went from being unthinkable to tolerable to acceptable to being praised and to being popular. Now, think about that. Does that hold true in our, in, in our society? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I want you to think about things right now in our society that maybe 50, 60, 100 years ago were absolutely unthinkable. And, and, and maybe people that, that engaged in certain activities or did certain things, um, they were, they, it brought great shame to them and to their family. Unthinkable things. Well, as time goes by, people quit having so much sting toward those unthinkable things and they become a little more tolerable to them. Now, I don't, tolerable meaning I don't like it, I don't condone it, but it just doesn't quite sting me like it used to. And then before long, as time goes by, that tolerable becomes acceptable. Maybe saying, I don't participate in it, I don't do those things, but I don't think less of you for doing those. I don't think you're necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just not my deal. That's when something's become acceptable. Well, the next step from acceptable is to be praised. Have we not seen that? I want you to think, and I'm going to speak very clearly to you. I want you to think about the homosexual movement. In times past, unthinkable. Then it came a little more tolerable. Then it became acceptable. It's not my deal, but it's okay if it's your deal. And then it became praised. The transgender movement. The transgender movement, the homosexual, we're giving those people lifetime achievement awards for their bravery, for their courage. That's when you start praising something that used to be unthinkable. And then after it starts to get praised, then it becomes popular. And people will begin to do it because it gets them likes, if I can use a Facebook term. You say, well, I don't have a trouble being popular. Do you know how many young people there are out there who their, their days, their moods rise and fall over how many likes they get on their social media? Right. That, that, that is a, the poison of popularity. Right. Now listen. <clears throat> what are the dangers of popularity? Well, if I didn't need any other verse in the Bible to tell me to stay away from it, it's this. Luke 6, 26. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Woe unto you when you are popular by the masses. Now listen, I'm not talking about uh, in, in, the, in small settings like this. You know, we all love Brother Tim. Everybody likes Brother Tim. But you step outside of the spiritual community. Brother Tim and myself and, and probably you too, we're not praised by all men. All men do not speak well of us, okay? Even some in the spiritual community. I had a nasty letter written about me one time. Even in the spiritual community, all men are not speaking well of me, and praise God. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Woe unto you when you are liked and admired by the masses. Now, why is that? Because the next step, when when popularity becomes your goal 
When your goal is to be admired and liked by the masses, when, when you think about, maybe some of you young ones that are in high school, when you think about, when I go to school, I want to walk up and down the halls and pretty much have everybody think I am the bee's knees. Right? Do you know what the very next step when your heart desires that is? It's compromise. Right. I want everybody to hear that. The next step after you find your heart desiring to be popular is to compromise. And that means to accept a standard below what you would normally accept. Now, we all compromise, right? You go into the store, you've had your heart set on the blue hat. They don't have make the blue hat anymore, but they've got the brown one. And you'll settle for less than what you wanted and you'll buy the brown one. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a child of God walking and following and, and, and listening to and obeying God's commandments. God's commandments will not make you popular with the world. They won't. They will not make you liked by everybody. But the Lord will look at you in a special, special way. And I know that there, there, are, there are others out there that are looking for good examples, right? We're looking for, Tiffany and I, we're looking for great examples out there in this world to point our children to and say, you need to look at them. Watch how they walk. Watch how they talk. Watch how they dress. Watch how they deal with their brothers and sisters. Watch how they interact with their mom and dad. The Lord will be pleased with you and so will I. Because I'm looking for you, right? right? It causes us to compromise and we begin to accept standards below what God's standards are, right? All in the name of being liked, right? Now, I'm convinced of this as, as, as I could ever be. There are people out there now that probably have no tendencies, no desire whatsoever to go down the way some of these, you know, the, the transgender and all those movements that I've talked about have no desire to do those things, but it became praised and it became popular, and they said, sure, I'll try it. That's compromise. You see? Now, let's talk about some of the ways we compromise in the last few minutes here. It's interesting, over the years that I have uh, had a recurring conversation with Tiffany, and it's it's increased more because I've got, uh, you know, two, they're young ladies now uh, in our household, and the, the grief that I feel when I see the manner that women, young ladies, are dressing today, okay? Y'all can still amen, okay? Amen. <laughs> you don't have to get mad. There was a time, the way young ladies dress today, that is popular. 50 years ago, 60 would have been unthinkable. Right. Are you with me? Maybe 100 years ago, if you dressed a certain way, you would have been labeled a harlot because of the way you dressed. The conversation that I've had with Tiffany over the years, if we go out, and especially the, you know, the, 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 the later high school, college-aged group of young ladies uh, is appalling. You know, uh, we've been out to eat before, and, and you just have to set your mind that we are not even going to look at that table. Because I'll see parts at that table that God never intended anybody to see but their husband. It is shameful. But why do they dress like that? I've always kind of thought, well, they're the strange woman. 
They're the seducers. They're the ones that are trying to trip up men. Well, Tiffany set me straight on that. Because we've talked about it. She says, you know, I really don't think that's their heart. I really think these young ladies dress the way they do because that's what's popular. And because everybody else is dressing this way and they don't want to look different. You know, and I started listening to her the more times she told me that. And I believe that that's true. I believe it is a desire to fit in and look like everybody else that drives these young girls to dress the way that they do. And as I've got young daughters coming up, you know, I'm very clear with them. And we have very straight heart-to-heart talks about, you know, that the Bible says that women are supposed to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Do you know what the word modest means there? The word modest means good behavior, right? Good behavior. Your dress, the way you look, young ladies, should be a look that when somebody looks at you, they will assume you have good behavior. Are you? Am I clear? Amen. If you dress in a certain way that a man would look at you and make the assumption that she probably will do this, this, and this. She will probably not have good behavior. And chances are, you need to rethink some things. Okay? Young ladies, you are a beautiful jewel to the Lord. I want to be very clear on that. The Lord looks at you. Look, He made you more beautiful than He made men. He did. We're just, we just kind of, you know, get the job done. But He made you precious and beautiful and He gave you a role to be the helper of the man. That is not a lesser role because I've said many times, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. If being the man's helper is a lower title, then you gave God a lower title because God is the helper of man. And listen, young ladies, there's a young man, I believe, somewhere out there on his knees praying and looking for a woman who loves the Lord and is dressed in modest apparel. And you may be looking for him. But if you walk by and it looks like you would not be one to uh, exercise good behavior, you'll probably pass right by him and he'll never say anything. That's tragic. You're talking about missing part of the kingdom of God. How you dress, young ladies, matters. I hope that, you know, and I'm so thankful. I don't say this to to, to brag on Bailey. But this morning, we were getting ready and she walked in and she said, Dad, is this dress too short? I looked and I said, yep. (laughs) Not because we bought it too short. It's because we bought it and she's growing three inches a day. She's the fastest growing human in the world. She said, I, I, I just, I hadn't worn this in a while. I still have the tags on it, I think. She put it on. I said, too short. You know what she said? Okay, thanks. Off she went. Amen. You know what? Because I think Bailey today was more concerned with what the Lord thought and what I thought than looking like everybody else. And I'm thankful for that. I hope you girls don't ever change. And some of you other girls, I hope y'all don't ever change. Amen. How you dress matters. Please don't compromise. For the sake of popularity. Amen. Don't compromise for the sake of popularity. If your dress has to be a little bit longer than everybody else's. If your shirt has to be a little bit looser and higher cut than everybody else's. Praise God. 
Praise God. Amen. Compromise will all do, also do some other things. I'm almost out of time. I'll give you just a few very quickly here. Do you know uh, many people have become slaves to drugs and alcohol? Because way back when, they weren't really the least bit interested in doing either. But it's what everybody else was doing, and then it was, and to partake of those things would have elevated them in the sight of all the other people. So they tried it. And then they, now they've got a lifetime of dealing with it, with that poison. What about abstinence, folks? If you don't know what that is, you can talk to your moms and daddies about it. Do you know that in times past, you know, the, the idea of fornication would have been unthinkable? I know it happened. But we've gone down through the ages and now it's not, only, it's not only tolerable or acceptable or praised, it's popular. People brag about it. People brag about a sin that God says is an abomination. And I believe some of God's people are doing that. Right. Why? Because their desire to be popular poisoned their spiritual mind they began to compromise, and the next thing you know, you look at them, and what do you say? Why do I hear the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of oxen in your lives? Why am I hearing things and seeing things that should not be there? Was God unclear? No, He wasn't unclear. But we get blind to compromise, right? What did Saul say time and time and time again? He says this. He comes back to Samuel. And remember what he says? Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Yea, me. You're blind to your compromise, Saul. You feared being an outcast and ridiculed. And you feared being popular so much that your heart became blind to your disobedience. Your heart became blind to disobeying the Lord. God forbid we ever have a heart that hard because listen, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is your best friend. Amen. It will keep you out of a world of trouble Amen. if you listen to it. But your heart can get so hard and your spiritual mind can get so poisoned, you'll think you're walking straight and narrow and you'll be so far off on the wide path you won't even realize it. Compromise. I could go on and on and talk about the feminization of men. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. Men are supposed to be men. And if it's popular to be, if I can use the word sissy, if I can't, cut it out. It has become popular for men to be sissies, right? It's been, that became popular. And, I, and I'm convinced that there are young men out there today that look in the mirror and they spend more time worried about how they look than the beautiful young lady that the Lord created. They want to dress like women. They want to talk like women. And they needed somewhere along the lines to have a godly father sit down and say, God did not create you to be that. But for the sake of being popular, they changed. And they lowered those standards and they accepted something below what God told them to accept. Right. What's the conclusion of this as I close? Don't be one that's poisoned by the desire to be popular. Amen. Don't compromise the standards of God. When I read through the Bible, I can find example after example of men that compromised. King Saul compromised. Yep. And what does the rest of his life look like? Terror. Daniel did not compromise. Amen. And what do we read about Daniel? Right. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not compromise. Elijah did not compromise. John the Baptist clearly not concerned with the latest fashions. Right? right? He did not compromise. And what do we read about him today? If you compromise, you will go the way of King Saul. And your life will be poisoned. And there will be those that look around and grieve because they hear the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of oxen in your life. Be one of these other guys who maybe was not the most liked and most popular with the in crowd. But God looked at him and he called his holy angels to look at him and he smiled about it. Be that person. I hope that that's been profitable to you. You know I told you these things in love, but God help us. We're a nation that's poisoned for the desire to be popular.